Hello and welcome to the Royal Central podcast from royalcentral.co.uk. I'm Lydia Starbuck, Associate Editor. I'm Brittany Barger and I'm the Deputy Editor. I'm Jess Isles. I'm Senior Royal Reporter and Editorial Assistant. And we have a special guest this week. Thank you. Hi, I'm Deb Stratus. I'm an author from Canada and I'm a royal lover and I've written four books about Diana and I'm really happy to be here today. Thank you. And we're really happy that you've joined us and Deb has given you a clue there about what our special podcast is all about. We are talking today about Diana, Princess of Wales. Uh, This month, Diana would have turned 60. We're marking the 60th anniversary of her birth. And in the last few days, that was marked in a very special way by her sons who unveiled a new statue of her in Kensington Palace, um, her former home. So what did we all think of the statue? We waited so long to see it. There it was beneath the green tarpaulin revealed to us by William and Harry in a very low key, dignified ceremony. I, I, I think it, it looks a lot like her, which I think that's always a concern yes. when we've seen other statues that don't quite turn out how we thought they should. Um, I mean, I think it's a nice tribute to her. Uh, you know her love of children so that's reflected with the the kids that are she has her arms around and everything so I think it's a nice tribute to her especially being in the sunken garden which was one of her favorite places at Kensington Palace. I'm also a fan of it Um, I like that it focuses on the woman and not like she's not dressed up in regalia or a gown it's her dressed down and I think some people on Twitter found like the exact outfit that it was based on where she was going to a charity meeting. Um, so I really like that William and Harry focused on more of their mother as the person and her compassion and having the children surrounding her, showing that side of her instead of like, the portrait with the orb and the, the scepter or the crown or whatever. Yeah, it would, have, it would have been nice to see a tiara and gown moment, I think, in some ways. But obviously, this is what William and Harry wanted. So that's the most important thing. And she did look <clears throat> more casual. I thought it was uh, timeless, which is also hard to do with statues. We'll see what future generations think of the outfit, Jess, as you mentioned, <laughs> uh, people had seen. I would say uh, the one maybe criticism I would have is I feel like the shoulders looked a bit too big to me. I don't know what, what, if you guys noticed that or not. <clears throat> I feel like she was a little slimmer there. But overall, I thought it was a terrific likeness and, and the uh, artist did a really great job. Yeah, yeah I, I thought it was a good likeness. And I li- I did like the fact that she had the children around her because I thought as well as being a physical likeness, it was, it was a good encapsulation of how the world saw Diana and how Diana saw herself in that last stage of her life, that kind of eternal memory we have of her. It did seem to be kind of an actual physical representation of what Diana was about as she made her way in her kind of post-royal life. I think it also was a bit evocative of way back in the day when she was a nanny, you know, working at Young England Kindergarten. You know, that famous picture. I was just going to say that, yeah. Yeah, of of her holding the children with the sun behind her. So it kind of, you know, it was a timeless view again from from that perspective. Yeah. And it has a feel, I don't know if if anyone uh, travels through Liverpool Street uh, Station in London, probably not as much as me because I live live closest to it. But there is a statue in there called For Das Kind, which is um, a memorial to the children who were evacuated to England from Germany um, during the Second World War. And it reminds me a huge amount of that in its styling, in the focus on youth, on the focus of emotion and kind of 
support community support that's the first thing I thought of when I saw that it's it's there's quite a few statues like that around the UK and it, it seemed to be that focus on youth that really came through yeah can't wait to see it when next time I come to London it won't be long it won't be long I'm sure but Brittany you mentioned it's obviously it's in um the sunken garden at Kensington Palace which was one of Diana's favorite places we know she loved Kensington Palace but she really loved that particular garden which has now been redesigned to house the statue um, and contains lots of special tributes to her which kind of makes the statue even more special I think that like this place that meant so much to her has been reshaped to welcome her home and the statue faces her home doesn't it it looks towards Kensington Palace it looks towards the place that she loved to be mm-hmm. yeah and I, I think I really like that forget-me-nots her favorite flower are included in the new redesign because obviously if that's her favorite flower that that that's a good tribute to her too and there's ballerina roses and obviously that was her dream um at one point so i it's a very very nice tribute and it it was her final home so it's the perfect location too yeah and they replanted i think or redesigned something like four thousand new flowers there which uh again i'm sure is very spectacular and you know will be a a thing to you know admire throughout the whole flowering season Mm -hmm. you know her rollerblade <laughs> <laughs> there's a link to a charter there as well as not because they put sweet peas in and sweet peas were um kind of developed in their modern form at Orthrop. so Orthrop became famous for the spencer sweet pea and so they're kind of dotted through the garden but it's lovely it's there as well because although of course it's diana's final home it's somewhere that william and harry have got very close links with and obviously william can just pop out into the back garden because that's where he lives but harry's obviously always welcome there used to live there and may well live there again at some point in the future depending on how he and Megan want to base themselves when they do pop back to the UK so it's it is a very special place for it isn't it and the grandchildren too right they can pop over as well you know when the public's not around and see their granny <laughs> and I do wonder have Charlotte Louis and George been able to go over there yet you know to see it to see this big statue of their granny that they hear so much about but obviously never had the the chance to meet yeah i think they had a preview i read that the, all the cambridges went to see it before it was publicly unveiled so i think that the children have seen it as well as mm-hmm. got too yeah if if we hadn't had covid and the current situation that's going on right now you know we may have had a bigger reveal where the where catherine would have been there with the kids and may you know if things were in a better place megan would have been there with archie and you know it would have been a lovely lovely way to unveil it but that's not the world we live in right now so yeah well it was very low-key also i think just even from a windsor perspective you know it's always a bit you know dicey uh the, the whole diana issue you know with charles and the queen and the queen was there for the the other memorial opening you know years ago but they all you know happen to be in scotland conveniently so that worked out well so there's kind of no no strife but yeah no wessexes were there either which which would have been nice because uh, i know diana and her and sophie i think were close they definitely knew each other in the royal family but they yeah, just wanted to keep it very low-key just the two boys not even kate what did you guys think about kate not being there in the end i think it was the right um i think <laughs> 
what happened for me was it it was all just very low key and ended up being very much focused on Diana. So you just saw William and Harry walking out of the palace. Everyone else was waiting for them. They went over and unveiled the statue. But throughout the whole event, what you were thinking about was Diana and what you were left with was the image of Diana's statue with her two boys looking at it. And I think given the circumstances in the run up to, to the unveiling, it was probably the wisest course of action, I think, just because there's been so much said about you know, they're going to have a stand up fight in the pond, you know, are, are they even going to speak to one another? What's going to happen? It was just all very right. Here they are. You know, no one needs to hear them speaking. It was all very polite, all very pleasant. But I think as soon as you add in anyone else, you know, had Kate gone, then, of course, it opens the door to people saying, well, she shouldn't have gone because Megan couldn't go because she's just had a baby. And anyone who's just had a baby knows you ain't sitting on a plane for 12 hours if you've just had a baby. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. You know, she physically couldn't have gone. So I, I, for me, it was very sensible to just have yeah. the Duke of Cambridge, the Duke of Sussex, her sisters, her brother, the gardeners who had put all the work into it, the people who had made the statue a reality because it just took the heat out of everything. And I kind of admire the Windsor PR machine because I think it did swing into action last week as you said Deb everyone was conveniently up in Scotland and they only you know the last engagement in Scotland had happened two hours before William and Harry stepped out into the sunken garden we didn't see Charles all week <laughs> you know it was all very much kind of like when this happens it's well. about Diane yeah, yeah. orchestrated yeah yeah there's something really poignant, too, about the photos of Diana's brother and her sisters standing next to the statue. And I think Charles Spencer shared a photo saying that he'd had a great day in Kensington, but just imagining, like, where Diana would be today. And mm -hmm. it was very emotional. It seemed very friendly, I, I, I felt like, this yeah. with the boys. So that was nice to see. Yeah. It didn't look too frosty. Mm -hmm. I'm Harry's and I mean, a, yeah. yeah, and I mean, with the Spencers, I mean, that that's their a link to their mother. I mean, that that's her, their mother's mother's siblings. So, you know, if they want to know what Diana would think about something, there's no better person to call than her sisters or, um, you know, to just talk about her from when they were younger. I mean, they've got the stories. They've got the memories. Mm -hmm. They're her siblings. So, you know, there, there's a special bond there when when you lose a parent to talk to the the siblings of your parent because that th they knew them best. They're, they're able to kind of provide a comfort and um, everything that other people can't, can't give you. Yeah. And they've all been so protective of her memory, like the Spencers and William and Harry, they've all, I think over the last 20 something years been very, very positive and very good with maintaining her memory and her legacy and not exploiting her. Yeah, you know, when you look at Sarah and Jane, you can't help thinking, oh, I wonder, you know, if Diana would look like that now. Yeah. Because, you know, she was the youngest, but she, you know, was of a similar age to her sisters now. You know, we all, she's frozen in time for all of us, really, at age 36. But, you know, she would have been 60. So, of course, I'm sure she would have aged beautifully, but she would have aged like all of us do. So, you know, she would have probably looked similar to her sisters in some regards. They all very yeah. like their dad. I thought that when you saw all the Spencer siblings together, they are all, you know, the man I call Al Spencer. I'm showing my age here. For me, he'll always be Al Spencer. And I always think of Charles as Viscount Orthrop, even though that's a long, long time ago. But Earl Spencer, the proud dad who walked her down the aisle in 1981, they're all the living image of him. 
<laughs> those genes are chasing them into old age, aren't they? They really look like their dad. So I imagine Diana probably would have gone that way too, because they're quite they're quite similar looking siblings as well, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think it must have been hard for Sarah and Jane, well, for all of them, because obviously they're remembering their sibling, but they were older than Diana. And there is something about, you know, losing a younger siblings. You shouldn't really see them out the door and, and you know, mm-hmm. look on that statue of, of their little sister. Mm-hmm. It must have been a very hard moment. I think for all of them, we were all kind of looking at it, you know, with that kind of, oh, is there going to be a row? And what's the statue going to look like? And how's it all going to play out? But for them, it's a proper fault isn't it it's a real kind of tummy turning moment you know yeah it brings it all back and especially the tragic way she died you know that's so jarring and shocking even still today so when it's your sister your baby sister it must be doubly harder and especially for charles the the now earl spencer how you know he he and diana were so close growing up because they were so close in age because he was born you know right out not right after her but he's he's the baby of the family and she's the baby sister of the family so you know that they, they had that bond because they really grew up together yeah so it's yeah it, i mean it's a lovely statue isn't it and it, it all went very well but deb why is kensington palace such an appropriate place for it you've written about Diana's homes and what they meant to her and you know what bond she had why was Kensington so special to her because we know it was we know that it really meant a huge amount to her well that's where she spent the most time as a royal so you know as you said before they got married in 1981 and uh, some people don't realize this but she actually helped to decorate and design all of the rooms at Kensington Palace as well as Highgrove House, which was their country home for the Waleses for you know many years, and of course is still a favorite of Charles today. So she she had a hand in you know designing all of the soft cushions and the decor and the paint and so on. And then you know she lived there from from that time you know when she was pregnant with uh, with William up until you know her death you know in 1997. So it was really her home base. She loved London, even though she loved the country. She really was a city girl, you know, I think at heart. And so even though she would, you know, put up with the Balmorals and the Sandringham kind of holidays and vacations, she really liked the London life, the bustling life and seeing her friends and so on. And then, you know, her children were both born there. So, of course, that's a very special place for a mother, you know, to, to have, you know, she, her kids running through the halls and, you know, going down to the kitchen and having friends over uh, you know, they used to go up to the Kensington High Street, go to the McDonald's and the Marks and Spencers, and she would make them queue in line. So that was really her normal place, her safe place. Uh, she also called it her gilded cage at times, because even though it was safe space for her, she was lonely there, very lonely, especially once her boys were in school and away from her, you know, during the week. And then after the separation and the divorce, she was there alone quite a bit. So, you know, it, it was it was a special place. It was her home base, but you know, I'm sure very mixed mixed memories as well because it was a sad place when she would do all of her public things and be adored out, you know, at a, an event and then come home to a quiet place and it would just be her and the staff, you know, back at back at Kensington. But uh, she definitely, she definitely loved it. Uh, I, I, I wrote about it, as you mentioned earlier, Brittany, in my book, um, at, at Home with Diana, which really talks about all the places that she lived as a royal princess. And it was her, you know, her first and last. So that's why I think some of the reasons why 
very special to her and to us now as well. I mean, who could forget the flowers that were there, you know, after she died in Paris, the, the wall of flowers and, the, and I'm sure the smell of flowers just filled the streets of London. So it has so many memories for, for all of us. It does. It is kind of irrevocably associated with Diana now, isn't it? Because at the moment, Kensington Palace is the home for her wedding dress. That's on display there. But for many people going yeah. to visit Kensington Palace, the first draw is Diana. No one is necessarily as interested in the Stuart Kings who created it or the, the Hanoverians who have lived there. The first thought is Diana. Have any of you seen the dress? Have you, have you gone to Lydia? Have you been able to, to pop over? to see the dress at Kensington Palace? I haven't been to see it yet. It is on the list. I know it's really, really popular. I know um, yeah. Historic World Palaces keep saying, make sure you book. Well, you obviously, you've got to book in advance at the moment because of COVID precautions. But, you know, I think the tickets are going like hotcakes. It is, I mean, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And we're coming up to the 40th anniversary of the wedding mm -hmm. at the end of July, which will make me feel very old. I think Brittany and Jess <laughs> but I remember the wedding. <laughs> uh, who remembers waking up very, very early to watch it? I certainly do. Yeah. My mother did too. <laughs> I know with, I actually got to see the dress um, back, this was a few years ago, um, Jess and Deb, I'm not sure if it was in Canada, I'm sure it may have been. Um, there was a traveling exhibit that went at least through, through the United States um, and it had so many things, her, her outfits, um, Mm -hmm. Just mementos from her childhood and the wedding dress was included, as was a Spencer Tierra, not the one that she wore, but a another the second one. Um, so I was able to see it in person then in Cincinnati. Um, we drove up there and it, it you, you don't realize just how big the dress was until you see it in person and how tiny she was when you, until you see it in person. It, it's it's really a, I mean, it's a historical dress and it's it's really something to see it in person. Yeah, well, you're very lucky. I saw the traveling show as well, but they didn't have the wedding dress in it. Uh, so the one that we saw didn't. But yeah, 25 foot long train, the longest in royal history. That's, I, I often think, you know, by the end of the day, you know, she must have been tired dragging that big long train <laughs> all around Buckingham Palace. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, spectacular. And, and I had read, Brittany, that when you see it up close, you you don't realize you didn't realize how much sparkle there was to the dress. Did you mm -hmm. did you notice that? That yeah, pictures it doesn't really uh, show that as well as as when you see it in person. Mm -hmm. And and in person, it's a lot prettier and everything than seeing it on TV and, and the footage and everything. Um, I, I was more fond of the dress after seeing it in person than just seeing it, you know, with the the wedding footage and everything. That's great. Yeah, well, I think yeah, the exhibit goes to January of next year, so I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it before then. But uh, it's very popular, as you say, Lydia. So maybe they'll bring it back. I think it's the first time the boys have had it out of out of storage for many many years. So. I'm afraid it's going to be like a what we would say in 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 the states, it's like the Disney Vault, that it's going to go oh, back yeah. and we're not going to see it again for a long time mm -hmm. because it does get quite damaged, right? Those kinds of beautiful dresses and vintage pieces from light and from being handled and all those kinds of things, the air even I think. So, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, it it would be spectacular to see it in person. 
and of course it's really vintage now because yeah as we keep saying diana's forever caught in time at the age of 36 but actually that dress was created 40 years ago it is it's it is an historic artifact now it's it's that's it and it's that's a strange anniversary isn't it to mark coming up at the end of july because obviously it was the beginning of diana's royal career i mean she was announced as charles's fiance in february of 1981 and everything changed forever afterwards and and she was literally everywhere i mean i was very young when that happened i'm not that old but um i do remember (laughs) (laughs) and magazines everywhere i mean it was absolutely everywhere when people talk now about oh well, there's so much focus on the royals like go back to 1981 if you can because it the focus there was on charles and diana it was literally non-stop mm-hmm. so by the time they got married july the 29th 1981 we kind of like we were all their best friends we knew everything there was to know about that wedding um and obviously it it made diana into her royal highness the princess of Wales. it began her royal career but it became a kind of bittersweet moment, didn't it? Obviously, marriage ended in divorce and so much acrimony, but it is still a big anniversary. It marks the beginning of a royal life of someone who's perhaps the most famous royal of the 20th century, certainly one of the most famous royals of the 20th century. Yeah, and she was only 20 years old as well, right? Because her birthday is July 1st, so she was barely out of her teens, you know, when she when she married the prince. And I always was struck by the fact that uh, she really had a free reign with that dress. So the Emanuels made it for her. They were a young British couple just out of design school. And she didn't have somebody saying to her, no, it must be this length. No, it must be this fabric. No, it must be this designer. So she really was able to indulge her inner fairy princess, you know, to, to have that, that dress. And she really thought that the fairy tale was going to last forever, didn't she? Yeah, she did. I think. Well, yeah. I mean, that was the thing, wasn't it? It was even in the uh, even in the homily at the wedding, the stuff of which fairy tales are made. Um, and of course, we know it didn't quite come true. But William and Harry said in their joint statement, they issued a joint statement, didn't they, for for the um, reveal of the statue, that they want this statue to be her legacy, the legacy of her life. They want it to represent what their mum meant to them and to to everybody around the world and as as we approach next year's the 25th anniversary of diana's death as we i mean that's just that's crazy as well isn't it when you think she'll have been gone for a quarter of a century mm-hmm. um and as you said deb all those scenes of the flowers outside kensington palace you know when the world seemed to stop certainly here in the uk everything stopped for that for that time that's um but just thinking about it yeah I know it is. It's 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 strange. It's very hard to explain to people that didn't live through it. I think I I sometimes think that when like my son, my son is eight and he's just taking interest in history, mostly Henry VIII. It has to be said. I don't know what attracts him to Henry VIII with all the kind of you know weddings <laughs> and gory dramas, but he does like a bit Henry VIII. But you kind of think when you try to explain to someone, kids or grandkids in years to come, how do you explain that? How do you explain Diana was just so famous that her her death was so shocking it it literally stopped everything in its tracks you know and and going towards the anniversary of that everyone's looking at her legacy you know is is her legacy what she would want it to be do you think when we see this statue when we see the focus on children work with young people caring for others do you think that's the legacy she would have wanted to leave I think she probably would have laughed out loud thinking about leaving a legacy. You know, she she really was so self-deprecating and, and you know, liked to have fun 
and she cared about so many causes, but she never really saw herself as this sort of superstar that we all saw her as. And like you said, Lydia, you know, we all felt like we knew them after when they got married back in 1981, and that just continued and continued. So when she did die, it was like we lost our best friend for a lot of people. You know, it was it was a shocking thing. Uh, for me, I think her legacy is her children. I mean, it has to be, right, those two boys. And so I think she'd be very, very proud of them and their families and the fact that they found love in their lives. So uh, for me, I think as a mom, I think that's what would have been the most important thing. Do you, do you, do you agree? I mean, I, I'm not a mother, but I, I agree. Um, I think from seeing, you know, my, my siblings who have kids and, and things, you know, that you're, th- that is what you're, that is what was most important in your life is your kids. And so seeing them succeed and, and do well, that, that's all you want. Um, so her legacy is how they're carrying on her, uh, some of her causes, but, you know, t- just her personality of wanting to help people and, and kind of breaking with the, the royal mold of raising children and, um, you know, getting down on the same level as, as the kids, um, obviously William, Harry, and even Kate and Megan, they all they all do that as well. So, yeah, I think I, I agree. I think her legacy really is her children and her grandchildren. Yeah, I, I I think she'd be very sad that her kids aren't getting along as well as she would have liked, you know, when when she was still alive. But she would be so happy that they're both desperately in love with their partners, you know, because that's all she really wanted for herself. Right. She really wanted someone to love and adore her that would take care of her, that she could take care of them. So I think she would be so happy that William and Catherine are still so in love after, you know, how many years they've been married now and have three beautiful children. And Harry found the love of his life. So that, I think, would would really make her very proud and happy. And going forward, Deb, you've kind of been telling Diana's story in many different ways for a number of years now through your books. What's the next chapter? Because we've waited for this statue for so long, haven't we? This was first announced years ago and it was meant to be for 2017, for the 20th anniversary of her death. And of course, so many things have happened. And so now we finally have the statue. We finally have the the commemoration that William and Harry wanted Mm -hmm. of them. How do we now tell Diana's story going forward? Well, that's a, that's a great question, Lydia, and I think it's one of those evergreen stories that, that that's it's still fascinating to me. I mean, I always was, you know, very related to her, even though we have nothing in common as far as, you know, our background and so on. Uh, but it seems like a new generation has really just gotten fascinated by her all over again. The Crown, I think, has played a big role with that although I really wish people would 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 understand that it is fiction a lot of it and it's not all of the facts aren't real so please do some research read my books but um you know that's really rejuvenated the interest in her once again so I it's hard to say what the next chapter is going to be for her that I think the next episode of the next season of the crown is going to be very interesting because it's going to go through a lot of the uh, the troubles that that Charles and Diana went through with their separation. So how that's going to be treated is going to be interesting to see. <clears throat> uh, obviously, for me, I would love to see Harry and William back on a, a friendly footing. That that would be the best outcome. I'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon. But I, I think really to answer your question, she does seem to be an evergreen icon that even now people are still talking about her and, and discovering her all over again. 
so uh, I just hope that that keeps her keeps her alive. Well, we've got plenty about Diana on the site. It's been a busy week at royalcentral.co.uk, so there's lots of um, articles there. And, of course, Deb has a number of books um, available all about Diana on your website, Deb. Yeah, debstratus.com. You can go there or Amazon, and um, we'd, we'd love to have you read them and give me any feedback that you have. And they're also available in audiobooks now, correct? Yeah, Diana Spencer in Love is just out in Audible now, so that's brand new. Yeah. So you can listen to it and hear the story all over again. It is. As you said, it's a story that continues to fascinate and will continue to fascinate. And we'll have lots more on Diana and other royal news on the site in the days and weeks to come, as well as more podcasts for you. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this podcast and we'll see you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye.